Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Good to be together in God's house, isn't it? with each other and gathered around our Lord and as we open his word. And let's do that now. Genesis, we're finishing up Genesis 29, going to heading into Genesis 30. This morning, we'll just keep, cover those last few verses, just read them again. Genesis 29, verse 31, going on to Genesis 30, reading up to verse 4. So Genesis 29, verse 31, before we start, let's look to the Lord. Father, we're conscious this morning of our inabilities. We are not able, Lord, to know your word, to understand what you're saying, unless you pour out your spirit to us. And so that's what we're praying for now, Lord. Pour out your spirit to us. Make known your words to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis 29, 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, and Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. And she conceived again, bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, therefore given me this son also. She called his name Simeon. She conceived again, bare a son, and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I borne him three sons. Therefore was name called Levi. And she conceived again, bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, called his name Judah, left bearing. Next chapter. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel and he said, am I a Godstead? Who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? She said, behold, my maid Bilhah, go in unto her and she shall bear upon my knees that I may have children by her. She gave him Bilhah, her handmaid, to wife. Jacob went in unto her. Now, we've been studying this very important part here, the history of Jacob in Haran. And we, we've been tracing out how in the world did this man end up with such a home of stress. And we see, saw, we see, he keeps saying, we keep getting painfully reminded of it, that it was all because he had more than one wife. And so as we study all this strife and the stress, we realized there was not one of Jacob's 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel, became the people of God. There wasn't one son that he had that wasn't named to commemorate this intense bitterness, this hatred, this strife that characterized his home. And as we look at these scenes, we're in the middle of, and we ask ourselves a question, is this really the people of God? Is this God's people? Why are God's people characterized by a home of chaotic hatred. And we can't lose sight of the fact that this didn't have to be the case. 
And we can't lose sight of the fact that all of this bitterness, all this hatred, all this strife in Jacob's house all came down because of one word, polygamy. And Jacob didn't have to enter into that polygamy. And there was this critical crossroads in Genesis 29 that Jacob came to. And that road was marked, one road, and this crossroads is marked the road of one wife, Leah. And that's God's choice for Jacob. And the other road was marked the road of more than one wife. Let's start with Leah and Rachel. And right at that crossroads, when Jacob had to make his choice, there's Laban, (laughs) good old Laban. And he's standing there right in the crossroads while Jacob's trying to make up his mind which road to go down. And you know what good old Laban is saying? Good old Laban is saying verse 27. He's saying verse 27, chapter 29, verse 37 to Jacob. Jacob, fulfill her week, we'll give you thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And so Jacob, he took the bait. He took the bait that Laban was offering and he went down this road and he went into making his home a place of hatred and strife and bitter, all because of polygamy. And so as we travel down, that's what we've been doing, we travel down this painful road with Jacob. We've got to always remember that crossroads that Jacob was at and he didn't have to take that road, but he did. And so as we go along here and study We say, and God says, oh boy, are we in for a rocky road. (laughs) That's where we are at. But what we've seen down this road is God's amazing grace. Grace that God didn't say, God didn't say to Jacob, Jacob, I'm done with you. I'm finished with you. He, He didn't do that to Jacob. He didn't say to Jacob, as he didn't say to the Jewish people, as Paul brought it up in Romans 11, 1 through 2, I said that, has God cast away his people? God forbid, Romans eleven two. 2. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. God knew what he was getting himself into. And what did God see in Jacob's house? We're told in verse 31, the Lord saw that Leah was hated. And so God saw that Jacob hated Leah, and God did not cast away Jacob for that. And God saw that Jacob was prejudiced against Leah, and God didn't cast away Jacob for that. And God saw Isaac was prejudiced against Jacob. God saw Isaac was prejudiced towards Esau as the one that God chose to surely bring in the line of the Messiah. Isaac was wrong, dead wrong. And Isaac should have been led by the Spirit of God And to see that it was Jacob who was the one God chose to bring in the line of the Messiah. But God didn't cast away Isaac because he was prejudiced against Jacob. And God saw that Jacob was prejudiced towards Rachel as the one that God surely is going to bless and bring in the line of the Messiah. He was wrong. Jacob was dead wrong. And Jacob should have been led by the Spirit to see that it was not Rachel, but was chosen by God to bring in the line of the Messiah. But God didn't cast away Jacob because he was prejudiced for Rachel. And God saw that Jacob was prejudiced against Leah as the one that God would choose to bring in the Messiah and the line. And he should have been led by the Spirit. But God didn't cast away Jacob for being prejudiced against Leah. God saw that Jacob was prejudiced towards Joseph as the one that God was going to use to bring in the line of the Messiah. Jacob was wrong. Jacob should have been led by the Spirit. And see, it was Judah, not Joseph, bringing the line of Messiah. But God didn't cast away Jacob for that. And God saw the Jews are prejudiced against the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Jews are wrong. They should be led by the Spirit of God to see it is the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah. 
God didn't cast away the Jews because they're prejudiced against the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see poor Leah. I mean, you really got to have a heart for Leah. I mean, she's caught in a terrible marriage to a husband who hates her. But Leah, she let her terrible marriage to a husband who hated her, she let that pressure push her in the right direction. And the right direction we saw in verse 32 was when she named her first son Reuben because she praised God, because God saw her affliction. And Leah let her terrible marriage to to a husband who hated her push her more in the right direction in verse 33 when she named her second son Simeon. Why? Because she praised God because God had heard her prayer. And then we saw how Leah slipped and she let her terrible marriage to a husband who hated her, push her in the wrong direction in verse 34 when she named her, first, her third son Levi. And that's when she stopped praising God that she didn't say anything about God and just complained in the naming of Levi that her husband wasn't joined to her. But what we saw was how Leah, even though she had slipped and let her terrible marriage to a husband who hated her, push her in the wrong direction of stopping to praise the Lord in the naming of Levi... We saw in verse 35 how she changed course. And she went, and, and in the naming of her fourth son, Judah, she said, Stop now while I praise the Lord. Leah said, Wait a minute. I've let my problems push me in the wrong direction to stop praising the Lord. And I'm going to take hold of the steering wheel in my life and I'm going to turn the wheel back to praising God. And that's when Leah, that's the import of Leah's words, now will I praise the Lord. What an example Leah is for us. You know, Winston Churchill, in his acceptance speech for the Nobel Prize, he said, our problems got beyond our control. Well, when Leah named her third son Levi, and nothing about God, nothing in praise of the Lord, but only complained that her husband wasn't joined to her, Leah realized her problems had got beyond her control. And so when Leah said, full stop, now will I praise the Lord, then she did that. Now our problem, and sometimes our problems, they push us in the wrong direction where we stop praising the Lord and we sink to complain like she did. It's really easy to praise the Lord when, when everything's going well. You know, like the song says, when the, sun, it, when the sun's shining down on me and the world is all it should be, blessed be your name, that's easy. But, but caught in a terrible marriage when a husband who hates you, and, and if someone said to Leah, Leah, I feel so bad for you. I feel so bad for the way that Jacob treats you. You know what she would say? You don't know the half of it. <laughs> That's what she would say. <laughs> in a terrible marriage with a husband who hated her, the sun wasn't shining down on Leah, and, and the world was not all it should be. And, and, but in the midst of that, Leah says, now will I praise the Lord. Reminds me of... Uh, one of my favorite Bible teachers, Stephen Olford. And he went to the doctor, Tennessee, with his family. They traveled there. And they were staying in a hotel. And he, he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. That ended up killing him. And he went and he heard those same words I heard. His whole family was together when the doctor told him, you have cancer. You have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And when they heard that, the whole family, his two sons, his wife, himself, silence. Nobody said a word. They just were stunned and shocked. And they went back to their hotel room, sat at the little table there to have a meal. Nobody said a word since they heard that. They sat down, and he said, let's pray. 
And you know what his first words were? Lord Jesus, we worship you. Oh, isn't that something? We just sung about that in the service before. We worship thee, all glorious Lord. And this is what Leah's doing here. She's got this terrible situation, this no win. Husband never did love her. And she says, now will I praise the Lord. She had praised had, had the Lord before with the birth of Reuben and Simeon. With the birth of Levi, though, she sunk into a state of not praising God. And in verse 35, Leah, with great determination, rose up and said, now will I praise the Lord. With those words, now will I praise the Lord, Leah was saying, now I'm going to praise the Lord more and better than I have in the past. And, and that's a great determination. Puts the question back to us. Can we have that same determination that she had? Can we say, now I'm going to praise the Lord more and better than I have in the past? That's a goal for us. Now, verse 35, from the words, will I, will I praise the Lord? That's what we see, this determination. And we see praise is not a float. Praise is not a drift. You know, when I feel good, then I'll praise the Lord. No, it's a matter of the will. Now, will I praise the Lord? It's not a drift or a float. It's determination. Now, the other, other amazing thing we read in verse 35 is where it says, and she conceived again and bare a son. The hated Leah bare Judah. Yeah? The most important son that Jacob has, the one who does bring the Messianic line, came from Leah. That's significant. Leah gave birth to Judah. That was clearly God blessing the marriage of Jacob and Leah. We can be sure, if you said those words to Jacob, the marriage of Jacob and Leah, he'd become dizzy. He would be so upset. He doesn't like those. The union of Jacob and Leah, he'd go, oh, I gotta go sit down. That's not good news for him. But God blessed the marriage of Jacob and Leah with the birth of Judah. God blessed the union of Jacob and Leah with the birth of Judah. See, from this unhappy marriage came the Messianic line. God made Leah to bless Jacob with giving him Judah. God made Leah to bless Jacob. God's grace changed the misfortune in this marriage into fortune. There's no marriage so bad and so complicated, but that God can't bring good out of it. And that's why divorce is so wrong. Some marriages today are so very sad. Maybe they're as sad as the marriage between Jacob and Leah. But it's important to stay married because God blesses marriages to stay together. And God hates divorce, and he would rather bless a bad marriage where there's hatred between each other than for that marriage to end up in divorce. And it was Leah who gave the name Judah. That's an important name, Judah. Judah's a noun. Judah's a noun that's turned into a verb, and it's in a particular future tense called the hopeful tense in Hebrew. And so, literally, it means shall be thanked or shall be praised, referring to God. God shall be thanked. God shall be commended. That's what Judah means. See, this is the name that Jews received their beautiful name from, Jews. It's from Judah. And this is what defines a Jew. It's Judah. A Jew or a Judah is a praiser of God. Thank you, Leah, for telling us that. And if you ask two Jews today to define what does it mean to be a Jew, you get three answers. <laughs> You'll never get the same answer. 
None of them will go back to the meaning of Leah and say a praiser of God. I'll talk about heritage, all kinds of explanations. But this is the biblical meaning of what a Jew is. A Jew is a praiser of God. This is what defines a Jew, a praiser of God. The greatest praise of God is for his unspeakable gift. Dave was bringing up this morning. In 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. What's the unspeakable gift? No, who is the unspeakable gift? The unspeakable gift is the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in John 3, 16 through 17, God so loved the world, gave, gave the unspeakable gift. His only begotten son, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, which is what everybody expected, but that the world through him might be saved. A praiser of God is a person who thanks God for his unspeakable gift, the Lord Jesus Christ. God longs for when the Jews will fulfill the destiny of their name and praise God for his unspeakable gift. That's the yearning of God in Psalm 14, 7. Oh, that the salvation, oh, that the Yeshua, oh, that the Jesus, oh, that the salvation of Israel, oh, that the Jesus of Israel were come out of Zion. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. When the Jesus of God comes out of Zion, then the Jews will praise God for the Lord Jesus, and then they'll rejoice and be glad. Then they'll fulfill their name as a Jew. But today, Jews don't know the beauty of their name. So, Gentiles, be a Jew. <laughs> That's what Paul says in Romans 2.29. He is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is not that. Circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God, who praises God. A Jew is any person whose praise is of God, who's praising God. A Jew is any person who inwardly praises God. So then it says she left bearing. Verse 35, we learn for Leah, it says she conceived. And then it says, and left bearing. Leah left bearing. Only for a little while, she'll have two more sons and a daughter. So in this chapter 29, we close out birth of Reuben. He lives 124 years. Birth of Simeon, he lives 120 years. Birth of Levi, he lives 137 years. Birth of Judah, he lives 119 years. Now we come into chapter 30. In chapter 30, we read in the first verse, when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. Those first words here now tell us about Rachel. We get to learn about Rachel It says, Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children. These words, Rachel saw, bring us into the pain that she felt, the pain of infertility. Now, that's the sharpest pain. I have friends, couples, don't have children. That's the sharpest pain of infertility is when a young couple sees their friends having children and they're not having any children. This is where the pain comes in so sharp. And so so we read, when Rachel saw we can see Rachel, we can see her, what she saw. She, and what happened? She went to envy her sister. Where should Rachel have gone with this question? Be, she should have gone to expand to ask, or, or we can say, where should we go when we see a lot of trouble in our lives? Rachel should have asked the question, is God trying to humble me? 
What is God trying to humble me from? Am I full of pride? Is God trying to remove pride from me? So we see Rachel, we see ourselves. Because Rachel, she's in the business of becoming proud. That came natural for her. We, like Rachel, we're in the business of becoming proud. We don't need help with that. That comes natural for us. And God saw it wasn't good for Rachel to be proud. So God humbled Rachel by not allowing her to have children. God was humbling Rachel. That's what God does. God sees it's not good for us to be proud. God humbles us by allowing some problems in life. God humbles us. We're in the priding business. God's in the humbling business. Very simple. But Rachel, she doesn't accept this humbling from God. Instead, we read that rather than see anything wrong with her, she's now envies her sister. She's jealous over her sister. She envies her sister because her sister has the honor of having children and the pleasure of nursing children. And envy is a grief to mind, and it was a grief to her. It's an, envy is an obsession of thinking about another person and being grieved because something good is happening to them. And that's what we see in Rachel. She's obsessed with thinking about her older sister, Leah. And she's grieved to think of the good that's happened to Leah of having children nursing them. And envy is offensive to God. It's offensive to God. God hates envy. Now, the next words we read, Rachel envies her sister and says unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. See, Rachel envies her sister and says to Jacob, how does that work? (laughs) How does that work? If Rachel envied her sister, why is she taking it out on Jacob? (laughs) That's what envy does. Envy is a hatred that spreads like an amoeba. And Rachel is childless. She's envious, but she brings in this tension between her and, and her husband Jacob. This is in contrast to Rebecca. When Rebecca was childless, there was no tension between Rebecca and Isaac. But here, because Rachel is envious of Leah, who has children, Rachel introduces this tension between herself and her husband and Jacob. And because of envy, Rachel cannot live peaceably with anyone around her. Rachel, because of envy, Rachel cannot live peaceably with Leah. Because of envy, Rachel cannot live peaceably with Jacob. Because of envy, Rachel is defiling a lot of people. As it says in Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And if you went to go talk to, you went to go look at Rachel now, you'd see one troubled woman. Look at Saul, look at David, look at Jonathan. Saul envied David, became an obsession for him. Why? Because God chose David to be king. And Saul wanted to be king. And Saul didn't rejoice that David was chosen. Saul wanted to kill David because Saul envied David. And by contrast, Jonathan, who was slated to become king, he was son of Saul, but he didn't envy. Jonathan rejoiced that David was going to be king, even though that he was not going to be king. And David didn't envy Saul. David rejoiced that Saul was king and honored him and called him several times. He's the anointed of the Lord, even though Saul was trying to kill him. Now, what do we see here? At the heart of envy is selfishness. So when you look at this verse, what two words in verse 1 
show you that Rachel is selfish. Two words. Two words in verse 1 that show that Rachel is selfish. What are the words? Give me. <laughs> That's selfish, by the way. Give me. It's all about what Rachel wants. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org.